Oh, what? Didn't. Did he? Oh, did he? <gasps> it's beautiful. Oh, sweetie, I love it. <clears throat> okay, your turn. My turn? Mm -hmm. Where is it? It's on the bureau. Oh, I'm surprised I didn't see it. Where? It's there, Where it? the red envelope. Oh, so card. No, that's where you're wrong. I am so excited. Hey, coupons for five free hugs. You don't like it? Are you kidding me? I love it. It's so creative. Coupons for hugs, which are usually free. But this makes it official, which is so great. I was so proud of myself when I thought of it because you're impossible to buy for. You never want anything. Um, things I want. Robot dog, night vision goggles, bug vacuum, GPS watch, speakers that look like rocks. I love my wife. Oh, yogurt maker. I can't not think of things I want. See, we can't not think of things that we want. We're guys are pretty simple, pretty uh, pretty easy to figure out. Uh, you know, we all, if it, if it comes from the Apple store, if it plugs in or turns on, if it's gas-powered, you're probably safe. You know, those are, those are good bets. Just giving you some hints. Although we love five free hugs, even though they're already free, and this makes it official. I mean, that's, that's great. Well, happy Father's Day. We're glad that you're here. You know, there are a couple of things that, that all dads actually love to do. It's something innate within us. Uh, in fact, all men, really. We love this. We love a challenge. We love competition. In fact, if you want to make it even better, tell us we can't do it. Tell us we shouldn't do it. And it's on. And uh, uh, recently I had that opportunity, I guess it was about a year ago, when I started talking about driving my family across country for my graduation for seminary. People would say, so you're talking Minnesota from Virginia. Is there like a Minnesota, Virginia? Or is that, a, is that like a subdivision of Virginia Beach that you're talking about? Or is this actually Minnesota? I said, no, this is Minnesota, as in 24 hours one way, 24 hours back. And they said, okay, that sounds a little crazy. So you're going to leave your family here. You're just going to drive out there by yourself? No, no. All three children under the age of five and my wife, we're all getting in our van and we're going to load it up to the gills with more stuff than we should ever have in a van and we're going to drive across country. And people would say, no, you shouldn't do it. I'd say, oh yes, we should. We're going to do this. And so finally the day came and as I replay the story in my, in my uh, kind of uh, elaborate mind and elaborate memory, I remember the day where we loaded the car and we put the rocket launcher as we call it on top of our van where we put our, my golf clubs, had to bring golf clubs to graduation and, uh, and our pack and play and then there's another pack and play inside. One of these actually was in Minnesota with us and uh, just stuff and stuff and Cheetos and Doritos and sippies and DVD players for everyone. I mean, I'd like to take a moment to thank the inventor of the portable DVD player for getting us through. Some of you, thank you, you're clapping for that person. And some of you are saying, that's no road trip. I used to do car bingo. Remember when you slid the things across? Oh, that's a road sign. Four miles later. Nope. Disney has fixed that problem. And so we, we loaded up everything. And I just picture it like this, that all the neighbors gathered around as I put the keys in the ignition that one fateful morning. And, and I started the key and everybody started clapping. It was exciting. And as I pulled away, old men were standing to their feet and women were clutching their babies. Or maybe that was last week. I can't remember. But I'll tell you this, it was an exciting moment, and we drove uh, from here to Des Moines, Iowa to see family, and then to Minnesota, and then from Minnesota back, and it was a great trip. And overall, the trip was really, really fantastic. 
Now, maybe you're not buying it. Uh, maybe you're not buying it. But ultimately, it was great. There was one moment. I'll give you, give you one little dark and sinister Bradshaw moment. Uh, the, uh, my, uh, we have kind of a saying in our house uh, with my oldest daughter, not our middle child, our oldest daughter, that, uh, that she, um, she's very emotional. She's very passionate. Uh, when we take her to childcare, people say things like, your daughter is so full of life, which we all know that's code for something. But, uh, but uh, nevertheless, we love, love sweet Zoe, and her no- name means life in Greek, which I've told you that was the one word I missed on my Greek vocabulary test, Zoe. So anyhow, we'll talk about that later in group counseling. But the, uh, so we, we got through, we, we have this, this saying that we say, just let's keep Zoe happy, and, and we'll probably end up paying for that one day, or her poor husband will have to pay for that one day, and uh, we'll pray for him after the service. But I, uh, I remember uh, just saying it the, kind of as it was probably our, I don't know, 22 of 24 hours where Luke and Zoe had watched every Disney movie possible. They had listened to VeggieTales' greatest hits at least 100 times. They'd eaten things called butter burgers from a place called Culver's, which everyone should not eat. Although, I mean, they tasted good, but they're not very safe. And ate everything, I mean, Cheez-Its. I mean, they were just done with this trip. And so Luke kind of has this thing where he had hoarded all of Zoe's uh, dolls. He was hoarding them. He wasn't playing with them. Let me be clear. He was holding on to the dolls. Okay, were we clear on that? So he was holding on to these dolls and Zoe was going nuts. Give me back my Jesse doll from Toy Story. Give me back my Woody doll. And Luke was like, no, I will keep the toys forever. And so after about five minutes... Uh, he sounded a little bit like, I don't know, well, anyhow, but uh, so I will keep them forever. And so about five minutes, it was like all, all the dad and me could take, no, oh, enough. And I said it probably more sweet and prayerfully than that. But uh, <laughs> gracious child, I prayfully ask that you, uh, that you would reconsider the hoarding that you are doing right now. Would you please bestow upon your sweet sister, her dolls. Thank you very much. Amen. Probably went something like that. So finally he relented and he gave the dolls back and Zoe gets this big grin in her face and she takes her Jessie doll and wallops Luke right on the head. And she says, keep Zoe happy. And, <laughs> and that was a moment that, uh, that we wrote in our journal that night on, keep Zoe happy. So it will be, she is, uh, she's the one that keeps us on our toes. They all do. Well, overall, it was, it was just a fantastic trip, and they were great, uh, really, the whole time. And thank you all for your prayers and for your cards and for all that you did to, uh, to help us get through uh, almost six years of seminary, but we're done. And I think Michael's taking a vacation right now, just uh, thanking God that I am done. But he is, uh, he's actually with some family. His granddaughter is getting, uh, getting confirmed today, so uh, that's a wonderful thing. So anyhow, as I thought about this experience, you know, the reality is, is that I, I spent the most of the trip looking in my rearview mirror at a picture of this. You know, just thinking to myself, this is just about as good as life gets. And, and I, I you know, was just thinking about my family and about parent and, and how I just don't deserve this. And I know that every dad in this room, every man in this room has had a moment where they've realized that everything that they have has nothing to do with them. That it was all a gift. And, you know, there are those great moments, but then there are moments to the contrary. Because we know we should cherish and savor and appreciate the good days because not every day is as sweet as as this. Many days are full of twists and turns and 
unexpected curveballs and shuttling and homework and more shuttling and tuition and shots and downsizing and oil spills and illness and loss and more. And it's just a lot. And I, I can remember recently uh, standing out in the parking lot here with a good friend of mine as we were talking about our lives and we have kids about the same age and and uh, we're talking about just the complexity of life and how life has changed over the past nine years since we've known each other when it was just you know, our, our wives and, and us just hanging out, having a good time. And we realized that as we started to talk about all that's happening in our lives and our pulse was quickening and we were checking each other's pulse and it was rapidly beating, that really yesterday's us isn't enough for the complexity of today. In fact, yesterday's me just isn't enough for the complexity of today. Have you had that realization yet in your own life? Where you realize that, that yesterday's me, the me that I was yesterday, regardless of where you are in life, whether you're a student and you just graduated from high school this weekend or, or a couple of weeks ago, or whether you're a grandfather or whether, uh, whether you're a mother, regardless of who you are, have you had a moment where you realized that yesterday's me just isn't enough for today? It seems like I have that, that reality every day. And so this search for a better and new, improved, supersized version of me is never-ending. And it's never-ending for dads. But why? Because life is always changing. And it's not just changing for dads. It's changing for all of us. And so we're left with all of these questions. We're left with, with a, a measure of insecurity. We're left of, with, with just what in the world are we supposed to do next? And for decades, Dr. James Dobson has been a resource to Christian parents trying to raise kids in faith. I know that my mom used to, uh, to uh, rely on a lot of his material when I was growing up. In fact, I wrote a poem for my mother who's here today and for Dr. Dobson. It goes like this. Uh, Roses are red, violets are blue. When I was a kid, I got spanked because of you, Dr. Dobson. <laughs> I want to thank you very much for that. But look how great I am now. So I guess she turned out, she, she did the right thing. And, uh, but Dobson is great, and, and actually, now that I have two girls, uh, I was just, I've been really thinking, boy, there is just a lot of pressure in, in being a dad, raising girls, and what do I do next? And so I found his book, and it was titled Bringing Up Girls. It's a great book, and uh, I def definitely recommend it if, if you're raising girls, that you should read it. But as I'm reading, who would have thought, as I'm reading this book about my daughters and how to raise them well, I found out something about myself and really every man in this room. He writes this, Every little girl and every little boy is asking one fundamental question, but they're very different questions. Little boys want to know, do I have what it takes? All that rough and tumble, all that daring and superhero dress up, all of that is a boy seeking to prove that he does have what it takes. Nearly all a man does is fueled by his search for validation. That longing he carries for an answer to his question. Do I have what it takes? Have you ever asked that question? I believe that every CEO, every burger flipper, every Donald Trump, every Derek Jeter, every pastor, every father has at one time or another, whether subconsciously or at the top of their lungs, asked the question, do I have what it takes? This is the question that unifies men and dads across the globe throughout history. Do I have what it takes? Have you ever asked that question? Do you have what it takes? And sadly, 
Uh, sometimes the search for that answer can send men and fathers in the wrong direction, making life-altering, character-devastating decisions. Sometimes, to the contrary, it brings us to a place like we are here today because we realize we can't do this on our own. And that we need mentors and community and truth that's beyond this world to help us navigate the chaos of our lives. But it doesn't always work that way. In fact, as we look at a story this morning for answers to our questions, we turn to the story of the psalmist David. And I don't know why in my personal study or why in my teaching I so often turn to David. I guess it's this. I guess it's that I just resonate with a guy who is so passionate that he's a leader and yet he's so broken. And he's so honest about his mistakes and so honest to say, I, I missed the mark. And somehow, in spite of all of the stuff that he's done, all the stuff that he did that Scripture accounts, Scripture still remembers him as a man after God's own heart. Boy, would I love to hear at the end of my life, when I stand before the Father, that you were a man after my own heart. And I believe as we look for some of the answers to our questions, do we have what it takes? We're going to find some of those answers in the story of David in Psalm chapter 51. And prior, prior to reading this, I want to tell you a little bit about where, where we're picking up the story. For those of you familiar with this psalm, in, in many of your Bibles, if you go back and read it at home, which I know you will, you're going to see a little heading that says, when David, or rather when David was confronted by Nathan the prophet after he had an incident with a particular woman named Bathsheba. And this is the story where David had, had an illicit affair with this woman and then went so far as to send her husband to the front line of battle to lose his life so as to cover up his tracks so that he would feel better about himself. But this prophet Nathan comes to him and he confronts him and he says, guess what, I know what you've done. More importantly, the God of heaven knows what you've done. But here's what I believe, and you see this through the story of David, that David knew what he had done. And before, potentially before Nathan even confronted him, he wrote this particular story. Now I'm going to read it to you first in the translation that we often use here on Sunday morning. And it might be somewhat familiar to you. This is from the New International Version. It says this in verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast from your, me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. You know, every now and then when I stumble across a scripture, uh, sometimes I will just click on a different translation on my computer just to see what other versions say. And I happen to click on the message translation. And there's something about the way Eugene Peterson, who is the editor of, this, of, of the, the message translation, there's something about the way he captures the heart of the psalmist that has just stuck with me for the past month or so as I've read through it. And I just can't get away from it. I just felt a sense of urgency even to share it with you. This is what he says in Psalm 51. Listen to these words. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. But bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost 
can find their way home. Isn't that beautiful? This story, this image of God shaping and taking and creating a Genesis week from the chaos of our lives. I know something about chaos. Sometimes in a house with three preschool-aged children, it's, it's chaotic. And it's a great kind of chaos. And maybe some of you are living in those moments where you're just moving from one thing to the next and you're so busy. In fact, your life probably looks a lot like the relay that we saw on this stage. And that's real time. And maybe it's not with preschool-aged children. Maybe it's with teenagers. Or maybe it's with aging or ailing parents and you're constantly doing something from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment or maybe somewhere in between. But you're doing and you're running and you're running and there is this chaos There's this chaos, and sometimes it's chaos that we've created, right? Sometimes it's chaos like David created. He created the chaos that he lived in, and sometimes we just happen upon it. But nevertheless, our lives are chaotic. They are out of control, and sometimes we can put on this image, and sometimes we can say that we have what it takes, but at the end of the day, we know the truth. We know the answer to that question. It's chaotic. And so, as we look for some answers to this question this morning, do we have what it takes? I'm going to just give you a few thoughts from this particular passage here in Psalm 51. Answers to our questions. Here's the first answer that comes to mind. Is that God can make something out of nothing. This is the hope in the midst of our chaos right now. Regardless of what chaos looks like for you, God can make something out of nothing. Because that's what happened in Genesis, right? That's what happened in the creation story. There was nothing. And even if you aren't a Bible scholar, you don't have to be. You know the gist of the creation story that God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. And he did different things throughout different days. And sometimes he, he created animals and then water and light and darkness and all these things. But it all started... From nothing. From nothing. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to create something from nothing. What does nothing look like for you today? Maybe that nothing is a relationship that you've given up on. Maybe it's a relationship with someone who you came to celebrate today. Maybe it's somebody who's gone on before you. But someone that you, that you wish... Boy, if I could just have a moment, if I could start over again. God, there, through God, there are ways that he can create something out of nothing. Maybe economically, the last couple of years have just been really hard on you. And maybe you even today find yourself out of work or struggling or trying to figure out, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And you're asking God and you're praying and your prayers are bouncing off of the ceiling, whether at home or here at church. And you're saying, God, I'm feeling nothing right now. The story that David tells us in Psalm 51 is that God wants to create something from nothing in the midst of our lives. He can open doors. He can mend and heal relationships that you've given up on. He can provide for you. In fact, he is your provider, as the Old Testament proclaims. He can make something out of nothing. He is also your steadiness in the midst of a storm. Scripture says, come to me in Matthew 11. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of all that's going on, 
God wants to, to, to be our steadiness. He wants to be our foundation. And we see this as, as David writes that God make a fresh start, shape the Genesis week from the chaos. He goes down here to say, bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways. All of this in the midst of craziness. God knew exactly what David had done. But still said, I am going to be your rock, your foundation. Just as I was in Genesis for all of creation, I am very personally and very intimately for you today. That's what God wants to do for you. I mentioned Matthew 11, this uh, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. As I walked up to, uh, in part of our, the seminary graduation, professors pray over you. And I walked up to my Greek professor who I said I'd given up hope. I, I, I was trying to figure out in my mind how I can get out of this whole thing two years ago. And I called you and I said, I'm done. I can't do this. And you talked me off the ledge and you told me you're not going to get an A, but you're going to get this done. And I ended up doing really well in the class, almost getting an A, got a B plus. But the point was, is that she read to me as she was praying over me, she said this, Adam, remember these words from Matthew 11, that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I think he could also say, all who are living in the midst of chaos right now, chaos you created, chaos that's there because you just happened upon it, and I will give you rest. Some of you in this room are in desperate need of rest today. You're in desperate need in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your chaos, for God just to breathe life to breathe life into your sails, to give you a new hope and purpose, and just to say, it's going to be okay. God's saying that to you today. Here's something that I love, too, from this passage. He delights in you. You know, as God looked over creation in Genesis, what is, after he did everything, what did he say? He said he looked over it, and it was good. I picture God smiling. In fact, when I say the word delight, it's a great word. It's a word you can't even say and, and not smile. Delight. Doesn't work. Delight. I delight. God delights not just in creation, not just in Genesis, not just in the person sitting next to you, not just in your father who may have instilled all the values that brought you to where you are today. He delights in you. He knows your story. He's got your number. He knows everything about you. And in spite of all of that, he's saying, I delight in you. And he's creating order out of chaos, some of which you created. In my case, most of which I created. Here's the last thought from this passage. And I love this because this is the one that gives me hope today as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, that he gives you a job to do knowing that you are underqualified. Knowing that you're underqualified. Here's what it says. It says, give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can find your way home. David, do I need to remind you what you just did? You sent a man to his death. You had an affair with his wife. And now you're saying, God, give me a job? Teaching rebels your, God's way so that the lost can find their way home? Really, do you deserve that? But here's the miracle and the mystery of faith is that God says, in spite of you, 
I'm going to give you a job that is so much bigger than you that you can't help but rest and trust in me. And that's the story of the larger meta-narrative of Scripture. That's what the story of this book is all about. Of people who were underqualified, who were underprepared, who were living in the midst of chaos that they created, more likely than not. But God gave them purpose and direction and hope and a job to do, knowing that they could not do it on their own. Michael last week gave a fantastic message about that kind of faith that really started this church. And he challenged us to think about what is that thing for us? What is that next step, that water walking moment for us? What's it going to be? Because here's our job and here's my promise to you. We're not going to let you settle for a second best. And so as you leave this place today, that's one of the challenges. What is it that you are just underqualified to be doing? And if you're a father... That's one job that you're underqualified for. But what else is it that the kingdom has for you? Because that's the promise, and that's part of the answer to our question. Do we have what it takes? He gives you a job to do, knowing that you're underqualified. But here's the truth. At the end of the day, the answer to the question, do you have what it takes, isn't really what matters. David knew it, and if you're honest, you know it as well. The real question is, Who's answering the question for you? If it's your boss, no matter how successful you may be, how creative, how hardworking, eventually you'll miss the mark and they'll see the real you. If it's your family, even, even with a dozen or more successful road trips with picture albums and hundreds of diapers changed and baseball and soccer games attended, anniversaries and birthdays remembered, you will eventually miss the mark and they will see the real you. If you alone are left to answer the question, you, you know the answer. But here's the hope. Here's the hope for me and here's the hope for all of us in this room is that there is a God who created everything that we see and everything that we can't see. And he wants to take our formless and broken lives. He wants to dust them off and he wants to give them world-changing purpose. And when we ask him the question, do, do I have what it takes? His answer to us is the same as it was to David. No. No, you don't have what it takes. But don't worry. You were never meant to have what it takes. And God says, don't worry because I do have what it takes. And that's more than you'll ever need. And so to all of us, not just dads, here's the real question that we need to be asking and answering today. Where do you need God right now to shape a Genesis week out of the chaos of your life? Today, right now, where is there chaos that's just out of control? And apart from God, you're sunk. And maybe you can't see it, maybe you need somebody to help you see it, but that's the question that all of us are challenged to answer today. And maybe this is your, maybe you're here for the first time or you've just started to walk with us here at Spring Branch and this whole concept of faith is new and you're not sure what to do with it and you're hearing this message of, of faith and God creating form out of chaos and you're saying, I don't even know where to begin. Well, it begins by simply reciting this psalm. God, make a fresh start in me. Take everything that I am 
and be in me everything that I couldn't be without you. God, I want to have what it takes, but I only will have what it takes because of you. Will you take me and dust me off, and will you give me purpose and a hope? Regardless of whether you've been walking with the Lord for years, for decades, or today maybe is the first day that you cross the line of faith, it's all a choice. It's always a choice. It's going to be my way or his way. But today is a celebration. Today is a celebration for the dads and the fathers and the men in our lives who chose to do life God's way. This is for the dads who fix broken bicycle chains, who carry us when our limbs are broken, who tell their little girls that they are princesses, and they mean it, who allow these same little girls to paint toenails and pretend to like it, who raise these same young girls into strong, world-changing women, who teach sons to open doors and pull out chairs, to say yes ma'am and yes sir. Who challenge these same sons to be men of integrity, of honor, of passion, and of faith. This is for the father figures in our lives. Those here with us and those who've gone before us. Who taught us to live for those without hope. To feed the hungry and to care for the sick. Who taught us to play fair and to share the spotlight. Who shared with us their love for the outdoors. Who taught us to whistle and to tie our shoes. Who showed us what love for a girl should look like. Who taught us to own our mistakes and to apologize when we were wrong. And to be graceful when we were right. You give, you sacrifice, you make us laugh, you make us feel safe. But most of all, this is for those who taught us that life apart from faith is hopeless. That no amount of possession, education, power, or prestige will ever give us what it takes. But we can do all things through Him, through Jesus Christ, who brings order and gives purpose to our chaotic and hopeless lives. To all of the dads, granddads, stepdads, uncles, brothers, mentors, and friends we so highly esteem because of Him, you've got the goods. You've got what it takes. This is the well-deserved answer to the question you've been asking and the one you so long to hear. You've got what it takes. This song you're about to hear, this day, is our gift to you. could have bowed out gracefully, but you didn't. You knew enough to know to leave well enough alone, but you wouldn't. I drive myself crazy trying to stay out of my own way. But the messes that I've made and my secrets are so safe. The only one who gets me, yes, you get me. It's amazing to me Every day 
come around all broken down and crowded out you're a comfort sometimes the place I go is so deep and dark and desperate I don't know I don't know how every day every day every day you save my life sometimes well I swear I don't know if I'm coming or going you always say something without even knowing And I'm hanging on to your words with all of my might And I'm alright, yeah, I'm alright For one We hope that uh, today has been fun for you. We hope that all of you in this room are challenged, uh, that you have somewhere to go as you think about the chaos in your lives. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you, you truly are the wind in our sails. You give us purpose and a hope when we don't deserve it. As fathers, as mothers, as teachers, as doctors, attorneys, as pastors, everywhere in between, God, you give us hope. And I pray that as we leave this place today, that we would not leave the same. Lord, we don't have what it takes. What we have is not enough, but because of you, that's enough. That's enough to face whatever is on the other side of these doors here. So God, restore us, renew us, and send us back here. Bring us back next week, changed people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Have a great week.